Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50% to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to Tuesday Afternoon's Late Lunch on LMFM Radio. Let's pick up on something we spoke about on the show yesterday. And I, it was remiss of me not to thank you uh, all who got in touch with us. You know there was a big power cut uh, that affected Louise at home yesterday and she had no power at all. Well, Louise, that continued because you had no power when we spoke early this morning. No. No, I thought we got a message to say it would come on. It went off at quarter past ten yesterday morning and we got a message to say it would be on for six o'clock yesterday evening. And then when I got home, that had changed. So it wasn't due to be on till 12 today. But it yeah. did come on at roughly about 20 to 10, wasn't it? 20 to 10 roughly Say this morning. Around that. We were in the middle of conversation anyway. Almost 24 hours. Almost 24 hours. Yeah. Let me ask you this. You didn't open the freezer. No, didn't at all. The so the freezer no. stayed shut. Yeah. And you tried to work. You, did you open the fridge at all? Yeah. You had to shut to get a few bits and pieces out of it. Yeah. Bit of milk and mm. eggs, stuff like that. Okay, yeah. okay. Um, now, this morning there was a lot of milk that needed to be thrown out. Right. It had gone off. Yeah. Um, but there's other stuff in the fridge now, and I don't know whether to just bin it or. Yeah, what to do with mm. it. Well, I, I think that there are, by the way, there are still people waiting to be reconnected. I think we so, we yeah. know that uh, mm. since uh, storm the big storm yesterday. Well done to the uh, emergency crews from the electricity companies who have got lots of people back, but unfortunately, in some cases, it's even gone beyond 24 hours. So, we, we you were unsure, I was unsure yesterday. Mm. So, let's clarify the matter because I'm delighted to say I'm joined on late lunch by Dr. Mairead McCann. She's a technical executive food safety person with Safe Food. And Mairead, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thanks for having me on. Not at all. So let's start with Louise's freezer, number one. Almost 24 hours without power. She didn't open it. What's the story? Yeah, I suppose with fridges and freezers, I suppose, you know, the main rule is keep the door closed as as much as possible because obviously this will keep the temperature inside as low as possible and I suppose when it comes to fridges I suppose the top advice is suppose never taste the food to check that it's safe you know after a power outage because I suppose food poisoning bacteria don't affect the smell taste or appearance of your food mm. so I suppose what to do with the food then inside your freeze Fridge let's talk. Let's talk about the fr- yeah, yeah. The freezer first. She didn't open the freezer. You've quite a bit of stuff in it, haven't you, Louise? You yeah, have... it's a fridge freezer. Just to okay. Point yeah, out, but let's talk about yeah the freezer part. A lot of meat yeah. and vegetables in it. Yeah. Meat and vegetables in the freezer. Twenty four hours out. What should she do? Okay, so if your freezer, if the power goes on within 24 hours, you just leave the food in there. Don't open your door and um, the food is okay within 24 hours. But obviously, I think Louise's was after 24 hours, wasn't it? Was it was just within 24 hours, give or take an hour. Yeah, So I suppose if, if the hours. freezer takes longer than 24 hours to reset, 
restart, then you need to check all the foods individually, unfortunately. Mm. So some foods, I suppose, resist thawing better than others and not everything will spoil. So I suppose it's safe to refreeze or indeed cook if you want to use it up immediately. Mm. Things like raw meat and poultry, but they must contain ice crystals to be safe to refreeze or cook. The same goes for vegetables if they have ice crystals present and your frozen fruit if they have ice crystals present. They're all safe to refreeze or cook. Okay. Now, there are things that you will need to throw away after 24 hours. Um, things that baked items with cream frosting or filling, ice cream, cooked foods. I suppose if you've done some batch cooking, they'll have to go in the bin, unfortunately. And I suppose shellfish, if they show signs of thawing or you think they've yeah. been at a temperature above five degrees for more than two hours, then they'll have to go in the bin also. I suppose the golden rule we would say is, you know, if you're in doubt at all, the best thing is to throw it out. Yeah. And and what about uh, things like fish fingers? You know, those processed f- chicken and fish that are breadcrumbed and uh, Kievs and things like that. What about those? 24 hours in a freezer? No yeah, power? Yeah, I suppose, as I say, if they're, if, they're, if they're still frozen and have ice crystals in them, then they're safe to okay. refreeze. But okay. if, they, if they aren't, they're not. You have to put them in the bin. Okay. Yeah. And, and pre- some people freeze milk and bread. What about that? that? If that's defrosted, that will also have to go out. Go, okay. On, yeah. On the safe side. You're better erring on the cautious side, aren't you? That's very clear to say if, uh, with foodstuffs because it can be lethal. It can. And I suppose when, you, when you're talking about your fridge, then I suppose... Yes, let's go on to the, the fridge, yeah. Yeah, if the power is off for less than two hours, then the food in, in your fridge will be safe to eat as well. Just don't open the door, as I said. Um, but if the power has gone off for more than two hours, you should throw away food in your fridge. And I suppose the foods that you must throw away are foods that need to be stored in your fridge. So perishable foods like raw and cooked meat, poultry, fish salads like potato salad, coleslaw, any open jars of pasta sauce or things that you've been stored in your fridge. But I suppose some people store things that I suppose don't necessarily need to be refrigerated. Um, things like, I suppose, bread, canned drinks, even unopened jars of pasta sauce or I suppose things that don't really need to be refrigerated, uncut, uncut fruit or vegetables. And yeah. these can all be used safely if they, there is a power cut okay, so in, uh, after this time. After the two-hour window that you mentioned there, they can be used because those are okay. What about, now here's an interesting one because I know Louise loves her eggs. If you have eggs in the fridge, right, and take Louise's case, uh, the power's been off almost 24 hours with eggs in the fridge. Are they okay? No, they'll have to be put in the bin, unfortunately, yeah, because I suppose condensation can um, build up on eggshells if they're stored, at, uh, you know, if the temperature fluctuates, and I suppose this this makes them susceptible to food poison bacteria, so they'll have to go also. Uh, rashers, sausages in pre-packed, you know, pre-packed meats, things like that, gone after two hours. Is that what you're saying? Yes. My, oh my. From yeah. the fridge, yeah. From the fridge, and then it goes without saying yogurts, milk, stuff like that, out. Anything, yeah, anything that's perishable and must be refrigerated after two hours, they'll have to go. Yes, it's a, it's it's a scenario, you know, that many people are facing today, as you know, with the power cuts ongoing for a lot of people and being lengthy, like Louise's ones as well. Uh, but there's nothing can be done, and all that stuff then goes into your food bin. Is it? Is that the idea? You know, the way there are different bins or 
Yeah, yeah, well, I suppose that's that's yeah for food waste yeah, and for the environment. I yeah, suppose that yeah, is the best thing yeah. to do. Um, it's a terror altogether. People can suffer huge loss. I presume, like in, there's insurance involved here as well. With that, that's another issue altogether. You know, but uh, that is like the other thing is, I suppose if you had if you had some way of keeping the food in your fridge below four degrees, if you had a cooler box and ice packs or something like that, that's mm. the only way around it. If you had that, you know, to save the food. But otherwise, if the food goes above five degrees for more than two hours then you know it has to go in the bin unfortunately well that's pretty clear advice you know that is so two hours just to say to listeners again when it goes beyond two hours and your fridge is off really then you're looking at taking all that type of stuff you mentioned there out and disposing of it and not eating it Yes, that's true. For the Quite there, and with the freeze up to 24 hours, 48 hours would be stretching it, wouldn't it? Some people were saying to us, who were very kind to come on to us yesterday when we t- were telling the story of Louise and others who were there, that some people thought it was up to 48 hours you could leave the freezer. <laughs> Yeah, well, I suppose it just, the freezer, I, as I say, you have to check everything individually. Like, I suppose if your freezer is packed tightly with a lot of food, it actually will work well to keep the food frozen because, yes. you know, they're packed tight together. So you have to just check if these foods have ice crystals, your meat and poultry and vegetables and your fruit. If they have all ice crystals remaining, they can be refreezed or yeah. cooked. Well, uh, we're getting questions, of course. 086-1800-658. WhatsApp or Texas if you want to uh, ask a question. What about yogurt, says the listener, that are not open? Are they OK? Uh, I didn't open my fridge. It's Again, it's a two-hour thing there, isn't it? Whether they're open it, or not. It, 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 two-hour thing, yeah. And the fridge, yeah, unfortunately, yogurts will have to go as well. Mm, all that type of stuff. What about the issue, just before we let you go, um, of water? You know, people who've uh, suffered flooding into their premises and that as well and where water gets into things. That's another issue altogether, isn't it? It is, I suppose, yes. I suppose flooding is another issue. Um, Yeah, I suppose water, if you're, I suppose, you just have to make sure if you're making things like baby's bottles that yes. you use clean water yeah. I suppose I suppose flood water obviously can contain very dangerous bacteria from sewage animal waste so I suppose any food that's come into contact with flood water would have to be discarded Gone. and just I suppose to make sure that you clean and disinfect all your work surfaces if flood water has got into your house any mm. any utensils or cooking equipment and I suppose even if it's reached a fridge or freezer or cupboards everything has to be cleaned and disinfected and I suppose any damaged I suppose um, cups or saucers that I suppose could have I suppose bacteria present will all all have to go as well unfortunately. Yeah I was thinking uh, what you mentioned there about you know water for consumption where water has been contaminated water supplies to people you know who live with their own wells and in schemes in the countryside of that you need to be careful best boil and then uh, use it cool if you need to use it I'm sure that's the advice. That would be the the advice, yes. Yeah, just bring it to a rolling boil and leave to cool. That would be the safest option for those people. And just one more thing. If you have to discard from your fridge, is it as well taking everything out and giving it a good clean? It's an opportune time, perhaps, to do that as well. That'd be no harm, would it? No, that'd be no harm at all. You know, I suppose we, we uh, I suppose advise to do that at least once a week anyway. So that, that would be mm. a good time to do that. Yeah, <laughs> give it a good clean. Yeah, anyway, great advice there. Thank you so much. You've been so helpful, Mairead, and really appreciate that uh, advice. It looks like with uh, more storms on the way over the coming weeks and months, it'll be a factor for uh, more people, perhaps. Thank you so much for joining me on the show. Thanks very much and everyone stay safe and healthy. Absolutely. Dr. Mairead McCann there, who is a technical executive food safety expert with Safe Food. Do take on board what she says. Frank has been on to say, oh my God, Jerry, 
how did we live years ago with no fridges in our home? I don't know. <laughs> I remember growing up and on. We used to keep milk cool and uh, uh, cold water, Louise, in the sink or, you know, that type of mm-hmm. way. You'd keep it chilled or that as yeah. well. Uh, Frank says, my old saying is, if it tastes OK, eat it. Well, I think you need to use your nose, Frank, number one. That always told me about anything. But I really, you know, you heard what Dr. Mairead said there, Louise. It is important yeah. to take that advice I on board. I think I've killed you know? my whole family. Oh, no, don't mm. say that. Watch this space. We could have a breaking news story on late lunch <laughs> later today or perhaps tomorrow. Great to hear from you, Nigel McKenna, all the way on the other side of the Atlantic Ocean. I presume you're in New York today, but your Nigel could be anywhere in the world. Anyway, he's been listening to us. We were talking about food safety, top of the show, our Louise, her electricity gone for almost 24 hours. No fridge, no freezer connected. Nigel, I love it. Nigel says, back home when he lived in North County Louth, he says, as the child of the house, I was the milk taster. Here, here you, taste that. Is it off? <laughs> I love it, Nigel. How did you ever grow up to be the man you are with all that funny milk you tasted? <laughs> Indeed you did. It probably built you for the future. Yeah, yeah, those were the days, Nigel. Lovely to hear from you. Hope you're keeping well and thanks for getting in touch with us on the show. We love to hear from you. Now let's move along on late lunch this afternoon. I'm delighted to chat to my next guest because you see... She is a woman who is now providing palliative care for pets. Samantha Reynolds, good afternoon. Good afternoon, how are you? I'm nice, really nice good. Delighted to have you on the show. Never talked to anyone like you before, to be honest with you, in all my years here. T- tell us a little <laughs> bit about you and your background. How have you come to this? Well, I, it's been a long road, I'll tell you, Jerry. but I have been always been very passionate about animals and animal care. Um, and I've done many different types of jobs throughout my, my life. Mm. But now I've decided I want to set up my own pet care business. I took the, took the plunge last year and I established Sam's Pet Services. And I just kind of played it, as, played it by ear, saw mm. what was needed in Navin and showed up where people wanted some professional pet care services. And I think it just sort of evolved itself naturally. When you work with animals you do have to deal with sickness and dying mm. as a part of the whole thing. Yes. Um, so it's nice. I thought it'd be really nice to have a professional service available to people that they can reach out yes. to get some help. Yeah, and I, 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 it is quite difficult. Yeah, and, and, and that's what I'm saying. You're, you're unique. I've never heard of anyone, especially in the northeast here, in this uh, type of business before. But yeah. look at, as you say there, you've, you're not entirely new to this. You, you worked in Emerald Park there with the, the yeah, animals, haven't I you, for a did. while? Yeah. Yes, I did. When I studied my level five in animal care, I got work experience. It was called Tato Park at the time. Yeah. And my, my teacher was a zookeeper. So we got to do work experience with her and then I stayed on for an extra six months afterwards in paid employment Yeah. because I just loved it there and they loved me there. And you know when someone's just made for a job? Mm. It was there that I learned this is my calling in life is to work with animals. Very and, good. And then for, yeah. like, you've, you've been working away, I know, in the interim at different things as well. But I'm curious about this uh, course you did in the UK about animal bereavement. Tell me a bit about this. Yes, it was through an online group called Oplex Careers. And I did two courses very recently. The first one was the Pet Bereavement Counselling. And the second one was Caring for Elderly Pets and End-of-Life Care. Yes. And from there, then, I can 
continue on studying. But it's quite difficult to find places to study because it's quite new to Ireland. I have to really look hard to find how to continue on with studying. But I I intend on continuing to learn anyway. Mm. So you provide, I know you do other things as well with pets. You'll you'll care for pets in their homes. You do have a walking service as well. And you have this also, which is what we're focusing on today. Tell me the story of the family you helped. They were away, were they, or something, when their dog became very ill. Were you looking after the dog? Very ill. Yes, I was. It was one of my very first clients. And... Um, she had to go to the vets, which I do. I will bring any dog or cat to the vets if they're not well under my care. And unfortunately, she had kidney disease and it was kidney failure. And when a dog, an elderly dog, gets kidney failure, it's a matter of days rather than, Mm. or even hours, rather than being able to wait the two weeks. So I organised a Skype phone call for them to be able to say goodbye very respectfully um, I brought her into my house and I don't bring animals into my house. I always mind them in their own house. But for her, I broke that rule because she needed that special care at the end. And I went in with her mm. to have her final injection. So she had me there beside her for her end because I think that's really important yeah. for our pets to have that Oh, listen, I, I, I never forget years ago, my, my, my father was a great man for, for dogs all his life. Yeah. He, he loved them, was his passion. He raced them as greyhounds. He hunted them. He had them as pets, you name it. But I remember yeah. he was taken ill into hospital at one stage and we had a very elderly dog that became unwell. And me as a little fella had to take it to the local vet to get the um, injection. Yeah. And I can still remember that vividly today. The trauma I went through as... Yeah. A child, you know yeah. what I mean? Really having to yeah. do that. It was. Uh, it's a very tough yeah. time, isn't it, for, for people? It's quite traumatic. It's quite traumatic. But to know that someone is there for you and with you. Mm. I don't just help the animal through the end of life. I'll help the, the owner to yes. cope with the, all the feelings that come with it. And that it's okay. It's okay to feel sad and to feel grief. And it's okay to die as well. It's yes. Not, not a bad word. There's uh, none of us getting out of this world without having to uh, travel that journey, be it human or or animal as well. But come back to it because that that closeness that people have with dogs, cats, all all type of manner of pets as well, it really is like losing a member of the family. You see that regularly, Samantha. Oh, it is. Oh, it is. It absolutely is. And it's seen now scientifically that grief is grief. It's the very same grief. And for some people, it's more if their animal has died on them, and that's some of some people, that's their closest mm. um, friendship, and that friendship and that relationship is a valid relationship and a valid friendship, and the grief is real. And the way I try to describe it to my clients is the the heaviness of the grief you feel is equal to the amount of love you had for your animal throughout their life. Mm. So what, it's, what, it's what okay you, to be very, it is, very sad. It is, it is. And we all feel it. And I've been through it on a number of occasions. And, uh, mm-hmm. you know, it, it is a very difficult parting when it does happen. But, you know, today, you know, people, I, I, maybe I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit biased because of my age and looking back and thinking back. People really do... Uh, are much. You know what I'm trying to say? Are much closer to the pets perhaps than we were years ago. Yes, I think it's more it's more accepted to have them like a lot of people have their dogs and cats sleep in their beds with them. Yeah, and I know when I was growing up, they they rarely be let into the house. Yes, maybe allowed into the kitchen. So mm. we have we've sort of evolved as a society on how we 
take care of our pets and mm. how we take care of our animals. That's why you come in here because it's felt oh, yeah. more and it is, a, you know, a, a tough bereavement as well. Where do you stand? Because I, I know I'm jumping on here. You know when somebody said they have a dog or a cat or whatever and they lose it and uh, the grieving process goes on. Where do you stand on going again? You know what I'm talking about? Perhaps, you know, uh, taking on another pet, a, a dog. Certainly, um, I would certainly advise people to hold off a little bit mm. because some people can tend to want to replace the dog and no two dogs are ever the same and no two cats are ever the same. It's a different relationship and a different animal and it can lead to more problems and problems dealing with the grief as well. It needs to be, like, I would definitely wait six months at least. But then every person is different and every yep. situation is different. But mm. I would wait and I, I would, uh, at the same time, some people don't want to ever go again because the pain was so great. Mm. And I'd advise against that as well because there's some dog in a shelter somewhere that needs that life yes. that you can give, you know. Mm. But space is the word I'm hearing. It's uh, advisable. Space. Give yourself and a little time. space. Yeah, and time. Yeah, yes. before you, before you Absolutely. do. Absolutely. Um, you know, you're starting out on this road, really, and you've had a number yeah. of people that you've helped. This is, I take it this is something now, for me, as I said, it's, I'd never heard of it before. Uh, there's real scope here and real opportunity for you. Oh, absolutely. Mm. Absolutely. And I'm open to help and collaborate with anybody else in the animal profession careers that are looking to get into this as well, because it's, a, it's an area where I think I need to have... Um, support as well and I would love to collaborate with any other businesses that want to get into the same thing and we can help and support each other and have a network of support mm. I think it would be great and I think it's, it just benefits everybody and it benefits pets and that's what, that's what I'm all about I think you've found your niche in life young woman <laughs> Oh, absolutely. <laughs> I just absolutely. get it. I feel it. I feel it today here here on the airwaves. But you provide, as I said, you do provide more. You care for dogs. You walk. You do a, a range oh, of things. absolutely. Yeah. Every day, yeah. Monday to Friday, I go around my regular clients. I do dog walking and cat sitting. It's very popular with cat sitting because I don't have a premises. I have a van and I'll travel to other people's houses. Yes. So it's a perfect way for people that have a lot of pets or if you have a lot of cats that are outside... I'll just show up and feed them and make sure they're all okay. Um, uh, so I'm kind of like a mobile zookeeper. I do all those kind of jobs, cleaning. And I love it. Whatever you need, do you know? Yeah, yeah. Listen, have van, will travel. You are certainly uh, uh, exactly. thinking outside the box for sure. Anyway, it's called Sam's Pet Services. You can check this wonderful lady out. She's a, a lovely website with all the uh, further information there. Good luck to you with what you do. I see a great opportunity for you ahead. Thank you very much, Jerry, and it was lovely for you. Lovely to talk to you. You Thanks too. Thanks very much. Take care of yourself. Bye bye. That's Samantha Reynolds there speaking to us from Navin this afternoon. I know it is a very difficult time for people when pets pass, you know, and you have a decision to make at that stage. I look at my own fellow Louise, Messi, and when I see him now, like you can just see, he's like myself, he's getting on. Um, and, you know, he's, what is he, 13 now uh, for a Labrador and he's just... Uh, Good age. He's getting by, you know what I mean? Mm. So yes, he's getting by. And I remember when I think back that when I got him here on this show and we named him and we trained him, putting manners on Messi and now I see him with the grey whiskers and, 
He's Aww. just he's just not able for as much as he was. You know what I mean? But uh, he still has the old glint in his eye and he's, we look after him and we love him to bits. And I hate thinking about the day that he mightn't be with us. You know what I mean? And that's mm-hmm. something I just don't want to consider at all and make life as comfortable and best for him as I can at, the, at this point in time. But uh, I like what Samantha is about and what she's yeah. doing. I really yeah, do. Yeah, so do I. Because I, I mean... Like a dog really is a man's best friend yes. for a lot of people. Mm, and they're devastated when they lose them. Yeah, there's so no doubt it's, it's... It's nice to think that your dog mm. would have somebody like Samantha yeah. to help them through yeah. the last stages. Yeah, it is indeed. Anyway, interesting, different for sure. Late lunch, LMFM radio, short break, and it's time then for your Two on Tuesday. It's time for our Two on Tuesday. Two on Tuesday. Playing the songs that just never quite made it to number one. But we were so close. I'd love to be number one. We were so close. Two on Tuesday. With the Beatles riding high in the charts at the moment. Yes, they're number one everywhere with their single. This single that they've... Uh, developed from many, many years ago and released. It's number one in the charts and it's selling like hotcakes at the moment. So with that in mind, I decided to have a think about the two on Tuesday today and featured the Beatles. I'm going back 53 years to March 1970 and I just can't believe that this Beatles song never made it to number one in the UK. two on Tuesday from the Beatles Let It Be going back to March 1970 Uh, Mother Mary come to me Louise you were saying to me just off air a moment ago the story of that lyric It's not meant to be a religious um, phrase it's meant to be to do with his mother Yes Paul Paul McCartney's mother mother passed when he was just 14 Mm. and it's when she came back to him In a dream wasn't it? Yeah yeah writing that song very good very good yes that's the story indeed behind the song Hard to believe that didn't make number one Yeah very hard I didn't didn't know that Wonderful song it. It did in America It did in America for sure but not in the UK which was a strange one So we ask ourselves what prevented let it be getting to top spot, making it to number one in the UK. Well, here it is. Have a listen. Star, 
you know something? You just have to like that song. Even love it, don't you? Mr. Lee Marvin from the movie Paint Your Wagon, starring Lee, Clint Eastwood and Gene Seberg. Louise, you're laughing away in there. Oh, I love it. It's fantastic. It's a great song. It is a great song. What an song. amazing voice. Oh, a voice. <laughs> it's down in his boots. In his boots he I pulled that up I can see all from. young, young gossons going around with their pretend guns and their stetsons singing Yeehaw! that song. We were all okay. cowboys and we are chasing dingies. <laughs> yeah. I remember it well. I had my holsters and my caps. Bang, 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 bang. <laughs> oh, yes. we got to believe it. It's your thing. Yeah. Uh, Real feel good. Yeah, yeah, it is. And actually for made for a choir. Do you know what I mean? Mm. T- to perform that as well. Well, what do you think? Oh, that one. Brilliant. That one you go. Yeah, yeah. Even ahead of the Beatles. Yeah. There yeah, you are. Definitely. I think I'll go along with you today. I, do, I just could. I just, just laugh. Yeah. yeah. As soon as he started uh, singing it, it's uh, a, an amazing song. And Let It Be is truly wonderful as well. But there you are. It was number one. That was from the six, 1969 Paint Your Wagon movie and then in the charts in the 70s. And there you go. I think it we was should a big get it back one. again. Let's revive the wandering star. Yeah. I like that. <laughs> I really like that. <laughs> Straight to number one. Oh, yes, yes. Ah, oh, listen, the two on Tuesday brings us songs that you normally wouldn't hear for sure. We love it. We love it. And we bring it to you around about this time every Tuesday afternoon. So unanimous, myself and Louise today, going for Mr. Lee Marvin and the Wandering Star. Paul Shields has been on to say to us that that song, Jerry, was number one the day I was born. Wandering Star, Lee Marvin. There you go. Have you been a wandering star all your life, Paul? Well, well, we leave that up to you. You can answer us there. Let us know if you have or haven't. Lovely to hear from you. Thanks for getting in touch on the show. I love it. Now, my next guest is a wonderful woman. She's known as the Scoliosis Warrior and she's overcome an awful lot in her life. I'm delighted to say hello this afternoon to Ava Butterley. Hello, Ava. Hello, how are you doing? I'm doing really well. Better for having you having a chat with me on the show today, may I say. Thanks for joining us. You're originally from Rush. I am indeed, yeah. Originally from Rush, living down in um, the Gap of Dunlow in Kerry now. Oh, from one lovely part of the world to another. Aren't you so lucky? Absolutely. Trading the sea for the mountains. <laughs> yes, for sure. Listen, tell our listeners about you and scoliosis. Take us back to when you were a child growing up. What was the story? How, how did this affect you? Yeah, so I didn't actually get diagnosed with scoliosis until I was about 12. And uh, it was noticed in a school photograph uh, when I was in fifth class in primary school. My shoulders were kind of slumping to one side, which is one of the kind of primary uh, or it's one of the most obvious signs of scoliosis. So um, I didn't really do much about it then, um, you know, um, but uh, the teacher did tell my mom about this and stuff. And it wasn't until I was in, like, uh, first year in, in secondary school that I started getting uh, some back pain. So I went to the chiropractor my mom brought me, and she diagnosed me with scoliosis. Now, back then, we didn't know what scoliosis was. There was very little information about it, very little awareness about it. Um, so the chiropractor said that it could be treated with, uh, you know, weekly chiropractic adjustments. Um, so I went through for about six months getting weekly adjustments and um, my condition just kind of steadily got worse and worse instead of better. So then my mom decided to bring me to an orthopedic surgeon to get a second opinion. 
and he said that um, I have um, a severe form of scoliosis that had rapidly developed in those months that um, I've been treated, which is um, it's it's really common when you're an adolescent and you're taking that growth spurt. If you have scoliosis, it's very common for it to really progress and get worse at that time. Um, so I was told then that I needed a surgery straight away uh, in order to um, not necessarily correct the curve, but just to stabilize it so that mm. it didn't progress and get worse. Because m- my curve was so severe that um, I-, I was kind of looking at potentially being in a wheelchair like you know as morbid as it sounds but it had gotten that bad like that we need to get surgery straight away to stop that from happening so I got the surgery anyway um, a spinal fusion where they stuck kind of two Harrington rods in my back from T3 all the way down to um, L4 and um, that was a big 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 operation um, and I lost a lot of mobility with it and it was you know, the spinal fusions that you get done nowadays, they're, um, you know, it's it's a cleaner operation. But yes. back then, it was, like, very, 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 uh, very hard. And um, I spent a lot of time recovering after it. I was very, uh, very weak and very ill. Um, and then, basically, to cut a long story short, my back ended up getting infected. Um, the scar had opened up and oh, there no. was um, infection coming uh, from my back. So the rods had to come back out again in another operation. And then um, they decided not to put them back in, but instead to, um, they gave me this like body cast that was like molded for my torso. And um, I wore that around my body for a year after that point, just to make sure that my spine would stay in place and that it wouldn't move again. Um, and then, thankfully, ever since then, um, I've been good. Uh, scoliosis hasn't affected me. Mm. Um, my spine has stayed the way it is. It hasn't um, gone gone back or gotten any worse. And um, yeah, I credit a lot a lot of that to uh, to exercise and, and weight training for um, keeping keeping my core and my back strong. God, it's a great story that, you know, that, uh, you know, from very difficult circumstances, uh, you have uh, pushed on from there. And literally because you had your own gym, you're a bodybuilder, weightlifter, you've run ultra marathons, 53 kilometres. I'm even tired saying it here. Never mind contemplating doing it. It, it, it hasn't hold you, held you back at all. No, thankfully, it really hasn't. Um, and I've even found exercise to be super beneficial like i mean not to say that everyone needs to with scoliosis needs to run like ultra marathons but um i I do think uh, anyone with the condition could benefit from you know doing core strengthening Mm. and uh you know some uh some strength and conditioning work because i i just found it was the thing that helped me the most out of out of anything else that i did and your podcast, uh, the Scoliosis Warrior, it's uh, a popular podcast. Is it, you, you do that and have done that with a view to uh, telling your story and helping others. Yes, yeah, so um, I share my own personal journey and things that have helped me, but also I bring guests on the show uh, in terms of professionals in the world of scoliosis, like doctors and osteopaths and physiotherapists, and then. Um, I'll bring on people as well who have the condition to tell their story. Um, so it's kind of a mixture of my personal, but then kind of interviewing other people about their 
their work with scoliosis as well. Now, the big news, recent news from your perspective is you're a mammy now. You had a baby. And, you know, I suppose for someone in your situation, I know you were never n- told not to have children, but I- I'm sure it was um, an anxious time. Yeah, you know, it um, it came unexpectedly. So uh, I've always wanted children, and um, but I-, I didn't expect that it was going to happen right right so soon um and yeah i remember when i got my surgery done they told me that it wouldn't it wouldn't be an obstacle you know um having children but um i might not be able to get like an epidural so like delivering naturally mightn't be an option um so i I was probably looking at getting um a c-section done and that is in fact actually what happened um but not for the reasons of scoliosis um the reason I got the C-section was because um, my baby was actually uh, weighing on the very small side, almost kind of not quite like premature, but like a very, very low birth weight. So um, they decided to do a C-section on me uh, at 37 weeks um, just so the baby wasn't stressed coming out of the birth canal. And I suppose a part of that as well would have been like my history with scoliosis and spinal fusion. Um, it would have placed additional stress you know yeah gotcha i'm just looking there uh you ran a few marathons in your first trimester and did some ultra events then you went hiking you did a 45k hike in 10 hours when you were 26 weeks pregnant (laughs) i'd say that baby has the dna of its mammy Oh Jesus! Yeah, she's definitely a strong kicker. Like she said, <laughs> yeah. Everyone said, God, her grip is so strong because she's this tiny little thing, but she's really strong and really resilient. So yeah. I'm sure, a part of it must have rubbed off. Oh, for sure, it has to. What what age is Iski now? Uh, Iski is nine weeks now. Oh, God almighty. So, God, you're at the start of a wonderful journey with her. I love the name Iski. Why Iski? So, to be honest, I just thought it was a really pretty name. Um, but it comes from, there is a town in County Sligo mm. um, called Eastkey. It's famous for its surf break. Yes. And there's also an author from Donegal called Eastkey Britain. And she is like a marine biologist and she writes about her um, her work in the sea. And she's a surfer as well. She's a really interesting character. But um, I have no relation to the sea or to surfing, to be honest with you. I, I just thought it was a, we just thought it was a really pretty name. It really is. God, when I look at your life, beautiful rush in North County, Dublin, the gap of Dunlow where you are now and you're linked to Sligo and Eastkey, you're certainly uh, living it up with all those names and places uh, in your family at this stage. But you are an inspiration, I will say that to you, and you are uh, really someone that people who may be going through difficult times with scoliosis and uh, related matters uh, to say, look at, uh, at the end of the day, look what Ava Butterley has done, we can do it too. Oh, thank you so much. That's really kind. Not at all. Yeah, I just hope, like, you know, if uh, I uh, share my story, it'll help other people who, you know, are going through the same thing and are maybe in a dark place um, and need some hope to kind of, you know, get get them by. That's, that's kind of, I suppose, why I, 
why I put myself out there, you know. Yeah, for sure. And uh, listen, it's lovely to catch a few words with you today. Wish you well with the new baby and all you do in the future. And thank you for telling your story to us on Late Lunch today. Thank you so much. You're very kind. Not at all. Take care of yourself. That's Ava Burley there, isn't she? A lovely, lovely woman from Rush in North County, Dublin. Nine weeks old, the little baby is Eski. I really do adore it. You're with Late Lunch on LMFM Radio this Tuesday afternoon. Still to come on the show, number four in our top five countdown from 1995. You'll love it, I promise you. And the late Johnny Fiend, a big tribute to Johnny locally here. Coming up over the weekend, we're talking about that too. Paddy Goodwin. Uh, Mr. Rock and Roll himself. Stay with us in late lunch. 1963, the Warfields, uh, Brian and Derek, Noel Nagel and Tommy Byrne came together to form the Wolf Tones. And they announced yesterday that after 63 years, they are retiring. They have some gigs to do. Big ones in Dublin sold out and they've had a huge revival in recent times for one reason or another. But Louise, I remember the first time I ever saw them. God, it's a lock of years ago now. Mm-hmm. It's probably the early 80s in Chock Furbo. Chock Furbo in Galway. It was a famous music venue and I mean, Miriam were over there and they were on and we went to see them. I never saw people dancing up on tables before oh, really? in my life. <laughs> Were you one of them? <laughs> well, you couldn't, but <laughs> you couldn't, but when they when they took off. But uh, you know, like them, allowed them, uh, whatever you think about them as well. They've been part of Irish culture and music for mm. all those years, and you know, they have sung some marvelous songs. I mm-hmm. have to say, in their time. But uh, Derek left them to leave Brian, Noel, and Tommy Barn, three of them to soldier on. And by God, have they soldier on? They were in Drogheda. For the flower, when the flower yeah. was here, they were here two years in a row more recently. Okay. Uh, and I have to say, I absolutely adore Tommy Barnes' voice. I think he mm-hmm. is the, one of the most beautiful voices ever. And really today, just thinking about their 60 years and uh, all the places they've been in Ireland and all over the world and how they're still loved all these years later. Uh, I want to play. They have one of the biggest crowds recently at oh, the festival. Listen. Ever. Ever. <laughs> they just outshone. A young, young, a young generation. A new, an absolute new generation when you think of 60 years and they're going to play the three arena has sold out I don't know multiple times for them Uh, they just can't put on enough dates to see them before they finish up but anyway the tones 60 years calling it a day let's have a listen to what they're all about I simply love this one and it says an awful lot about uh, us Irish and emigration and the pain and the loneliness it's the streets of New York I was 18 years old when I went down to Dublin With a fistful of money and a cartload of dreams Take your time, said me father, stop rushing like hell And remember all is not what it seems to be For there's fellas would cut you for the coat on your back Or the watch that you got from your mother so take care, me young bucko, and mind yourself well. And will you give this we note to me, brother? Na 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 na
The Wolf Tones on your late lunch this Tuesday afternoon who are saying goodbye after 60 years in the business. Some gigs coming up, of course, uh, to be fulfilled. But uh, I was listening uh, to one of them yesterday evening on the way home in the car and they were saying that uh, they may, may from time to time reappear. But anyway, 60 years, it is some innings. Louise, I just adored this car I saw this morning. Did you see this story about uh, a 1962 Ferrari? 250 GTO sports car. Red, Louise. Red, red. Okay. With the number seven on it. Big um, why is it in the news? Because it sold for a snip. It sold for $51.7 million. Oh my gosh. In New York. My word almighty. It's <gasps> bright quibble. red and it was the property of an American collector, Louise, for the last 38 years. And you know what? Mm. I'd say he had it in cotton wool. <laughs> Because it's like new. It really is like new. The engine and everything about it. who bought it? Does it say? It doesn't say who bought it. But uh, I think there were only a limited number of them made at the time. Maybe 20, 30 of them or something like that. But this man just took care of it so well. Hello. Maybe maybe there's another bid coming in from the car just as I speak. (laughs) You never know what about That's anyway. your Christmas surprise, Dan. <laughs> oh, Louise, you're too kind. Um, but imagine like... Was it a fiver? <laughs> <laughs> I, I, I don't think like what he bought of it, I can't find out. I don't know what he had paid for it originally, but it is it is a huge sum of money to pay for a car. You know what I mean? When yeah. you think of it, 51.7 million. Would you million. spend it if you won the Euro Millions? Would you spend that on a car? Is it a bit obscene to spend on Me a car? Me being the old... Egypt I am probably would <laughs> <laughs> I've had a few Figaris or Figaris in my life whatever you want to say and I don't think that would surprise anybody at home if I did something mad like that but uh, it, would you believe this it's not the most expensive car ever sold in the world there's one more expensive that was sold than that so more than 51.7 million but uh, oh my word oh yeah 135 million was paid for a Mercedes in 2022 <sighs> It's, oh, it's it's obscene money though isn't yeah, it it, it is. really it is really obscene is. money mm. but look if you're wealthy beyond belief and you want that car and you're going to keep it I presume the new owner will keep it in cotton wool as well good luck to you with buying it but it's an enormous enormous amount of money but when you look at it I'll show you the picture in a minute when you look at number 7 on it big bonnet oh red red what is it about red in a car I just love red as the colour of a car. It's my favourite yeah. colour in a car. Yeah, it really is. But uh, there you go. Anyway, if you have a... I wonder if it was white would have got the <clears> same amount of money. I'd say if it was such a limited edition and the type it of Ferrari it is, it still probably would, yeah. Mm. But it just looks a picture now in the red as I as I see it here on my... On just my... picture you now driving around road in a Ferrari, Jerry. <laughs> Uh, wouldn't it be just something else? the wind <laughs> blowing in your hair <laughs> we can hear the growl of it <laughs> I can hear the growl of the and Lee Marvin playing blasting wandering star <laughs> 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 I think at last I'd have made it in life <laughs> anyway you're late lunch LMFM radio there's news weather and sport on the way five four three two Counting down the top five songs from this week of yesteryear. And today it's... The number four from this very week in 1995. And this song actually would only go up one more place in the charts. Its best shot was number three in the UK charts in 1995. 
They're an indie band. It was their biggest hit. And from their eighth album, they got this one. They released it in 94, didn't do much, but re-released it, changed it about a bit, and it certainly made an impact then. Yes, the number four from this week in 1995 is Everything But The Girl and Missing. Sorry, number four. I mean, number's wrong. Number four on our top five countdown from this very week in 1995. Everything but the girl and missing on your late lunch this afternoon. Three tomorrow, two on Thursday and the big number one from 1995 this week. On Friday afternoon, on the show, round about this time. Final break of the day and we're finishing on a musical note as well because... Earlier this year, great sadness when it was announced that Horselips Johnny Fiend had passed away unexpectedly. There's a big tribute to him happening in Drogheda at the weekend. Paddy Goodwin joining me next. If you've never seen Paddy Goodwin and the Holy Ghost rock and roll at its finest, you've no excuse because they're appearing this Saturday at McHugh's, the barrel venue in Drogheda. But it's a very, very special night because you see... Johnny Fiend, the great Johnny Fiend of Horselips fame, passed away back in April suddenly. And this is a big tribute night to the man himself. And Paddy joins me on the line. Afternoon, Paddy. How are we doing, Jerry? Very good, very good. So, Paddy, you describe Johnny Fiend as your musical hero. Absolutely, absolutely. Well, uh, Johnny has always been... I've always had two huge guitar heroes. One was Paul Kossoff from Free, and Johnny was the other guitar hero of mine. And I've always regarded Johnny as, as the best Irish guitar player ever. You've often heard me say that, Jerry. Mm. Um, I thought he had everything. And uh, he was one of these guitar players that, like Peter Green or like Mick Taylor or like Eric Clapton, he just had the blues in, uh, coming out of him out of every note. He was just a fantastic player. Uh, he was such a good guitar player that he used to actually, there was one particular solo he used to do that used to regularly reduce me to tears because for me, guitar playing is all about emotion and that's what Johnny was all about. And you learned to play the guitar watching him, yes? Yeah, well, well, there was a whole generation like myself. I mean, I, was talk- I did a bit of recording there recently with Eric Sharp and he had exactly the same experience, so that he, he was standing in front of Johnny trying to figure out what he was doing. Mm. And there's, there's, you know, this friend of mine in Donegal, Patsy Galler, did the same thing. There's a friend of mine from Clonus, Mick McCarney, who you've seen playing with me as well. We all learned from Johnny because he was, for people that were growing up in the country around Ireland in, in the late 70s, he was the only great guitar player who was going to play, play anywhere near your town. You know, it must have and been something just, in, it, uh, just to come in there, but well, just to, by extension, sorry for cutting across you. It must have been yeah. something then when you took the stage with him, you know, and to play with him so many times subsequently. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. Well, back, you know, back in the back in the late seventies, I, 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 at one stage, Jerry, I wanted to be a rock and roll journalist, mm. and I actually did an article. Uh, on horse lips for the forerunner of Hot Press. So you're now talking, you're talking sometimes 77, I think. And I knew the band from having done that article. And I was lucky enough, I was playing in a wee band in Clonus myself. 
and we used to regularly play support to horses then around the place and it was it was such a thrill just to just to be on the same stage uh, though not not necessarily the same time as the mm. as the great horses you know mm. but uh, Johnny has played with in my band uh, an awful lot of you know a, a hell of a lot over the last uh, 10 or 12 years and it was just such a privilege to literally stand on the stage beside him because you're learning you were learning something from him all the time he was such a master yeah and his last ever gig was with you back in December 2019 too yeah yeah we did a gig where I had the the young guitar player from the the Stripes was on stage with myself and Johnny and I was kind of for me it was kind of like Josh McClory is the guy, the guy, the name of the guy from the Stripes. A really good, really good young guitar player. Subsequently, he's worked with Paul Weller. In actual fact, uh, great guitar player. But I, I wanted him to see how good Johnny was, and I wanted to be on the same stage with the two of them. And that was the last, the last proper gig that Johnny played. My oh my! And his uh, his death was so unexpected and caught everybody by surprise at the time and I know it devastated you and so many others as well yeah. because I want to remind Absolutely. listeners Paddy played a huge part in the revival of Horse Lips as well and has been very close to them over the years so on Saturday in McHugh's we're going to see some of the guys from Horse Lips yourself and your own band uh, Victor McCullough yeah. Anthony Thistlethwaite will be there from the Waterboys too Anthony Thistlethwaite will be there um, we're going to do one of, one of Johnny's favourite guitar players is Mick Taylor from the Rolling Stones who Anthony Tisseltwaite just just by the way has done a few albums with, mm-hmm. and uh, Mick Taylor is one of my favourite guitar players. So we're going to do uh, some of this Stone stuff from them, uh, featuring Mick Taylor, because Johnny liked Mick Taylor. And uh, I also have Johnny's old friend Guido DeVito, who played in one of his original bands pre Horselips, and Guido was kind of like the Levon Helm of Limerick. Uh, he sings and plays the drums. And pre-Horstups, um, Johnny was doing stuff like by the band or by Neil Young or various people like that. So uh, um, Guido's going to feature in a few numbers. Uh, I also have a friend of mine, Gary Eglinton, who played with the band that Johnny had subsequent to Horstups, the Zen Alligators. And Gary's coming over from France. And we're going to do a few numbers uh, that the Zen Alligators would have done. In fact, I was actually in the studio with the Zen Alligators when they recorded their first single, Jerry. I don't know if I ever told you that. And they actually played at my 21st, <laughs> not today or yesterday. <laughs> <laughs> when we all had hair, Paddy, it didn't look grey and all that. I know what you're talking about. Don't remind me about it. Don't be, remind me about it. But look, uh, anyway, it's uh, lo- it's, uh, it's uh, going to be some night on oh, no, Saturday night else. in, yeah, in yeah, well, The other thing is that Bar- Barry Devlin from Horses is actually coming home from Australia the day before. So I hope he makes it. <laughs> ah, please God, he will, yeah. Uh, Jim 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 Lockhart from Horses will be playing as well. So there, yeah. there's going to be it's going to be an incredible night's music. And uh, I've been asked to do certain songs by Maggie, uh, Fiend Johnny's wife. So we're, we're do, doing a few special songs for Maggie. So Great. It's going to be fantastic. It's going to be a night to remember. And if you ain't seen Paddy, as I said that, and the Holy Ghost and all those wonderful luminaries of the music world, they're in McHugh's this Saturday eight o'clock. You got to get along early. Get your seat. If you've never seen it, you're in for an absolute treat. It's going to be packed to the rafters. Paddy, we uh, let you go today and we're going to finish in a moment reminding everybody of the greatness of uh, the wonderful horse lips. Good luck on Saturday and thank you so much for joining me on the show. 
Thanks a million, Jerry. Hopefully I'll see you there. I'll be there. Take care, Paddy. Bye-bye. That's uh, Paddy Goodwin there. Rock and roller power extraordinaire. He really, really is with his band on Saturday. Next up on on, uh, LMFM Radio this afternoon, uh, Brian Farley is here uh, with The Drive. We'll be back tomorrow at 1.30 with Late Lunch. Have a lovely evening, but we will leave you in the company of the wonderful Horselips. Memories, memories. See you tomorrow. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass!" So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a 4-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's Stamps.com. Code PROGRAM. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. 
quince.com slash style. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. quince.com slash style. 